0: From Studio Nowhere, it's time for Soccer Talk USA. Welcome to another edition of Soccer Talk USA. I'm your host, Mark Zeder. This is episode number 298 for the 7th of July, 2011. And, uh, well, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, some news things, some trade things happening. We've got... Uh, uh, Women's World Cup going on with lots of stuff there, and of course a bunch of MLS uh, happenings, and uh, obviously I'm recording this podcast a little bit late this week, I had a bunch of major uh, work deadlines earlier in the week and couldn't get to stuff, and then we had a bunch of games, so... Um yeah, it's taken me a while to get catch up with everything. But uh finally got everything caught up and I'm ready to go, so let's dive right in and uh get through this. So uh we'll start off with uh news that Toronto some trade news. Uh Toronto is signing uh Torsten's uh Frings. He's the uh German international he's most famous for he's the handball against the United States in the World Cup um two thousand two, the one that uh should have should have let us uh win that game, but um did, uh, you know, it was not called by the, not seen by the referee or whatever. Um, but I still, I think he's a good player and I like him and, uh, um, you know, he's, he's gonna, gonna go. Then there's, uh, I can't remember the other player I should have written down who's a Dutch, Dutch guy I've never heard of that's gonna, that, that they've signed. None of these players can play until the 15th of July, but they've, uh, signed them. And other big news, of course, was the Dwayne De Rosario trade from New York to, uh, DC, uh, in exchange for Dax, Dax McCarthy. And apparently this is done i think it's done for a number of reasons but uh the biggest one i think is just uh salary cap issues uh dwayne makes a lot more money than um than dax and dwayne apparently is uh wanting to be a DP and wanting more money and uh i think he probably deserves it but uh unfortunately uh you know um I don't know if he will get it or not, but I guess there's talk about, I guess he only has a one-year contract or something. There was some, some issues like that. And then uh, Dax is only like 24. You know, Dwayne's getting up there. So, you know, and then I think New York's pretty much superfluous up in the the attacking, attacking kind of players. You know, they've got quite a bit of that. And, uh, um, you know, Dax McCarthy's a little bit more of a holding midfielder defensive midfielder and uh just a little bit different you know different kind of player but i it's a good move i think it's a win-win because DC definitely can use can use uh de Rosario it's i don't think this is a reflection at all on de Rosario's value it's just you know i think you know New York had the opportunity to get him it's like hey great player let's get him and then it's like you know what He's very expensive and you know and and when you have an opportunity to get a player like Dax, it works out pretty good. what bums bums me about this is Portland had Dax remember he was the one that we got in the expansion draft, and we ended up I was all excited when we got him, and then we ended up trading him to d c you know for what was it Rodney Wallace and I, you know it was like I don't know, I was not very impressed with that, but I'm like we could have had de rosario, <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, really a bummer that we don't have him, but uh because I think we need a player like De Rosario. He would be awesome here in Portland. But, uh, um, anyway, it's very interesting news, very interesting news. I, I, and, well, we'll obviously talk about that a little bit more when we get into the DC game where DeRosara De played. But, uh, anyway, uh, one other thing I just thought I'd mention, just a little commentary thing, very short, but, uh, I was just reading an article somewhere about a week ago, and it was, they were talking about, you know, we've reached the halfway point in MLS, and they mentioned something about, Uh, Of the 612 MLS matches to be played this year, we've played 300, you know, something, you know, about half of them. And the article, you know, went on to make some point about, you know, where we were in the season kind of thing. Well, all of a sudden it struck me. I was just sitting there going, 612 matches. That's a lot of games. I hadn't really stopped to do the math. I mean, you figure... You know, we've got almost, we've got what, 18 teams now, so we've been adding teams, we've got, you know, and then each, each team plays, yeaah, so you got 34 games for each team over the course of the season, so what's that, 34 times 18 teams? I mean, you know, it's, we're talking about a lot of matches, it's not like one team plays 612, but when you got 18 teams, each one is playing a lot of games over the course of the season, and uh just as a business, I was looking at this and just thinking in terms of of major league soccer that's one of the things I've always been um, you know i guess you could I, concerned is the right word, but certainly I, I pay attention to it um because I want mls to be successful and so I want it to be around and I want it to you know to 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 have money and be be a successful business and so I've always kind of paid attention to the business side of things a little bit more in some other sport like, you know, I don't really pay attention to the other U.S. sports, but if I, if I did, I wouldn't really pay much attention to that kind of stuff, you know, I wouldn't, who cares what's going on in baseball, if they're making money or losing money or whatever, it's, you know, it's a bunch of rich people and who cares, you know, that kind of thing, that's, that would be my attitude, um, just like I would think that about any of the other sports, you know. But, uh, with soccer, because I don't want it to go belly up like NASL did, I, I've always kind of paid attention to that and been kind of concerned, you know, and, and I, and I was just kind of thinking about this, I'm going, well, you know, you start adding, you know, all these teams, and of course each, each new team that we've added has basically been, you know, to a degree successful, uh, in its own market, but I'm just thinking of it, you know, so you got some markets that are drawing, you know, more fans than others and, and some are drawing less and, and, and that's that's normal. Uh, you know, some are struggling a bit. But I think overall the the league is very, very healthy and, and this concept that we can actually, you know, have six hundred and twelve games and how many of those games so those six hundred and twelve games are are pretty good attendance. You know, I'd say over half of them are over 15,000. You know, I think, I think, cause, I mean, our, our MLS average is, is around that, I think. So, you know, you start looking at the numbers of, you know, that's hundreds and hundreds of games that, you know, thousands and thousands of people are coming out to every week. And that's pretty damn impressive. You know, that's pretty damn impressive. I don't know what the profit, you know, what the, Revenue is, uh, you know, do you make a million dollars on an MLS match or half a million or exactly what? But we're talking, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars easy in those 612 matches, you know, because some of them are easily bringing in a million dollars. You know, when you've got, like, I would think Seattle would be bringing in some really good money when they've got 36,000 coming to sell out theirs every time. You know, a lot of the smaller venues, like Portland only has... You know, our sellouts are eighteen, eighteen thousand something. So, you're not gonna make a million dollars there. But I think I did the math, just kind of back of the envelope kind of math one time, just trying to kind of estimate. And I was coming up with, you know, four or five hundred thousand dollars. You know, you figure the cost of the ticket, and then you figure a little bit of profit. You know, for other, other service. You know. Concessions and other kinds of things, you know, you start doing some math and you figure out, you know, how much, how much business is being generated, you know, from one, from one game. And it probably is, you know, I, to me, it wouldn't be surprising at all if it was a million dollars for some of these games, you know, depending on how many people are coming. So I just thought that was just an interesting way to look at it when you start, you know, it's easy to, I've been sort of focused on Portland just thinking of, you know, how, how it's doing here. And, and you're kind of focused on the, you know, 14 home games or whatever it is, 15 home games, you know, or maybe it's 16, I guess, whatever we're up to now. Um 17, I like, guess. Okay, yeah. Used to be 14 back, way back when, when I was paying attention to that kind of stuff. Um so I guess it's 34, so would be 17 home games, so you, you know, same way at home and away. Um you know, so you start figuring out, trying to kind of, you know, get an idea, cause it's, that's important to know, kind of, what the revenue base is for for you know an area like this and we're not getting into tv rights and other kinds of things you know and i don't know if those are actual major revenue sources yet you know the the game is still growing but um, i think the most important thing is is getting the fans at the stadium is is the most important thing right now and um and then growing uh, tv audiences and everything else you know down the road but i just thought that was an interesting way to look at it cuz i just i've been thinking of it in terms of just you know, each, each individual teams and how they're doing, but I hadn't really been thinking about it, the league as a whole and how many matches we're playing as we've added all these, you know, each new team you add, adds, you know, a bunch more matches each year. And so when we've added, you know, five or six teams in the last few years, you know, it's really growing the number of total number of games we're playing. That's a lot of games, 612 games, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. So, well, let's talk women's world cup. Um, Obviously, lots to get through here because we've got you a know, week's worth of, of games here. So I'll try to go through these fairly quickly because lot of these are pretty old. But uh, at least give you my kind of recap and, and give you some of my thoughts on some of the games. But we'll start off with Mexico-England. Uh, England were the clear favorites, but they struggled a bit against the young Mexicans. Took them 20 minutes to score, a looping header off a corner kick. But Mexico came right back with a fantastic long-range bomb in the 33rd by Monica Acampo. She was at least 30 yards out, just stroked it with her right foot. Uh, they later said she's actually left-footed, which is fantastic. Uh, in the second half, Mexico put a free kick just wide a goal. The teams finished up the half with respective free kicks above the box, but neither made the other team pay. Um, Mexico had a great chance in stoppage off a corner kick uh, with an open player receiving the ball and shooting, but an English player player bravely used her face to block the shot, and the team split the points. So Mexico won, England won. USA-North Korea, ESPN made a big deal about the change to start uh, Cheney, but the... They went on and on about it until I didn't care anymore. Uh, Cheney proved herself, getting several strikes on goal in the first half as well as scoring in the second. The US were pretty solid overall, their defense, but their defense was getting beat regularly by Korea's right winger who got in the box several times, created danger, including a couple chances Hope Solo had to stop. But this game didn't really get going in the second half, uh, until the second half when the USA, uh, started to get uh, to really dominate and create chances. Uh, Wambach did good hold up work, but her finishing is off. She had several shots she struck surprisingly weakly. I've been thinking about that, about her, uh, this whole tournament. She just doesn't seem to be hitting the ball very hard. I don't know why, if it's her, her, her heel injury or what. Uh, she played the ball for the left wing that, uh, Chaney headed in from the six yard line. Immediately after that, uh, Korea tried to get back into it and, uh, We allowed her to shoot, and she skimmed the top of the crossbar with a shot, poor defending. Then Wambach uh, headed one down at the goal, and it bounced up, came off off the crossbar. Then the USA hit the bar again with a cross. Uh, Korea couldn't clear it as the U.S. kept possession uh, in the Korean box, and when the ball fell to defender Rachel Bueller, she just sliced at it. It went through a sea of bodies, deflected beautifully into the lower corner, and that pretty much wrapped things up. The U.S.A. uh, dominated the final bit and uh, should have had a third goal when the Korean keeper dropped a shot, and Rapinoe... Knocked it in, but the stupid ref called it off, saying she didn't interfere with the keeper. Ridiculous call. If the keeper drops it, I'm sorry. It's a loose ball, and the player has every right to go after it. Uh, Rapinoe didn't touch the keeper, though. She went down as though the keeper went down as though kicked in the face. Korea uh, probably should have had a goal off a corner kick in stoppage, but their blasted header was well wide. Uh, but they still had a player open to get the header, which is dangerous. Uh, not an outstanding performance by the U.S. women, but still it's a win, and that ought to settle the U.S. news nerves, and they will improve. So USA 2, North Korea nil. We had uh, Brazil, Australia. Australia looked the better initially, creating a lot of pressure, but they couldn't actually score. Brazil started getting more and more dangerous later in the half. That continued after the break, and Brazil, uh, with Brazil struggling, uh, juggling the ball above the box, Rosana beating the right side uh, offside trap, the tight offside trap right on the line of the box, and then somehow getting off a shot, despite despite having a player draped over her. Things uh, spread out after that. Got more physical, but the story of the match was really the incredibly wasted chance by Australia's best player, Divana, who in the 87th had a wonder chance to tie it when she was behind the back line in 1v1 with the keeper. keeper was, well, a simple chip would have scored, but Devana skied it like 20 yards above the bar. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I did like to see the hard work Australia did in the final seconds, to stoppage time, and earn a corner kick, and nearly score off of it. They should have played with that intensity and desperation throughout. So, Brazil won, Australia nil. Uh, Norway, equilateral, Guinea, uh, took forever, and Norway was under dangerous pressure at times, but they finally got the goal in the 85th, so Norway won, equilateral, Guinea nil. No. Canada-France, this was a pretty fun one. Uh, Canada needed a win to keep in the tournament. They were utterly demolished by France. who looked the best of any team I've seen so far. The Canadian goalkeeper made a great save in the seventh, um, still in the ball uh, off of a breakaway, but gave up a goal in the 24th when a shot was deflected high. Came down to uh, Tiney uh, who headed it home. Uh, she looked a hair offside to me, but it was given. Uh, Naseeb had a fantastic long range ever, tipped over by the Canadian keeper on the half hour. Matheson was Canada's best player, showing aggression, getting their first shot off in the 40th, but it's their keeper making another save in the final minute of the second of the half, off of a Naseeb corner kick that was actually, uh, a shot on goal from the corner post. Uh, France continues in the second half forcing more saves, and they force Canada to cough up the ball midfield. Tanay has a shot above the D that rifles uh, onto the far post and in. That was the killer for Canada. They should have gotten right back into it when a player <laughs> got into the box uh, with the ball all alone, but she stepped on the ball and went down. Not pretty. Just a minute or so later, uh, France nail another one off of uh, via header off of corner kick, and then more bad news for Canada's top player Christine Sinclair. Playing with a face mask after her broken nose in the first game, had a deflected ball hit her in the face. She turned her head so it didn't actually hit her nose, but it still must have hurt. And the mask itself was actually what gave her a cut above her eyes, so she had to have treatment. While she was off, France put in their fourth a brilliant breakaway by Tommy uh who uh de- deftly dribbled it around the keeper and slotted it home. Uh, Canada had one last chance uh late on, but France defended and cleared it. So Canada nil uh France four ouch. Uh Germany Nigeria. Germany dominated but struggled to actually do anything and Nigeria were extremely physical, impressive by Nigeria though their tactics were a bit harsh at times. In the end though, Germany do get the goal in the fifty fourth that came off a corner kick and was twice blocked but then one of the rebounds was finally blocked in. So uh, a win, but, you know, Germany didn't really look that strong. Uh, J- uh So Germany won, Nigeria nil. Uh, Japan, Mexico. Things had going in the 13th with Japan putting a long ball into the box, long free kick into the box, and Sawa was there to head it through. Just a minute later, Japanese girl dribbled into the box. Two Mexican players went the same way, leaving space behind, and that's where... Ono went and finished it. Before the end of the half, uh, Sawa adds another header off of a corner kick, and Japan are cruising. Early in the second half, Mexico finally tests the Japanese caper with a long-range shot, but it's a good save. Japan may respond by hitting the post at the other end. With 10 minutes to go, they cut through the Mexican defense like butter, crossing from the end line to an utterly unmarked Sawa, unbelievable, in the center of the box, just criminal. She completes her hat trick. Uh, late on, Japan could have had two more except for some frantic defending and good goalkeeping. So, Japan really dominated this one. Japan for Mexico nil. New Zealand, England. England struggle against the Valiant Kiwis who strike first, getting the, to the end line, finding their striker between, uh, two English defenders and she scores. It's the first time New Zealand have ever led at the World Cup. But they look surprisingly good. Jill Scott has a long range shot, uh, wide for England, but it's really too little for England as New Zealand get uh, regular chances of their own. But they nearly score right at the beginning of the second half, heading across just over the bar. But around the hour, England starts to make their comeback with a header by Jill Scott, equalizing. Then Kelly Smith's shot is just wide. New Zealand should have done better with a chance in the 72nd with with a substitute player receiving the ball right in front of the goal, but it was her first touch coming on. She couldn't do enough with it. They continue to pressure, though, perhaps too much as England counter and force a save out of the keeper. But New Zealand can't clear it, and when the ball comes back in, the keeper's punch is weak, it falls to a wide open Jill Scott. Rather than take it herself, though, she finds an open teammate who roofs it, and that's the late winner England were craving. In the 88, they nearly get another when they get through 1v1, but the New Zealand keeper makes another save. Huge win for New England, for England. But, uh, not as easy as they expected, so. Uh, New Zealand 1, England 2. North Korea, Sweden, just like USA's game, it took Sweden a long time to break Korea down, though, of course, they did waste a lot of opportunities. The goal finally came on the hour with a cross behind the back line, volleyed into the six-yard line where a striker was there to control it and tap home. So North Korea, nil, Sweden, (laughs) one. USA-Columbia, though Columbia shows some danger getting behind the USA defense, they uh, really don't test hope solo The U.S. Uh, score when Heather Riley takes advantage of a poor trap by the Columbia keeper in the midfield, then rockets a long bomb to the far side netting uh, out of reach of the keeper. It's still just one goal, though. So at halftime, Coach Pia puts on Rapina who minutes later takes a throw in on the near side, follows up her own ball by running into the box, receiving it back, slamming it into the back of the net. She's the one who was benched for training so it's great to see her perform. Just before the hour, Carly Lloyd tries uh, gives a try above the D, and the keeper lets it slip through her fingers, and it's a third for the USA, so a bit lucky on that one. Columbia get off a long shot that solo saves, though it looks like it was going wide anyway. Uh, Wombat continues to be stake-bitten, unable to score no matter what. Her lack of confidence is high, as one time when she gets the ball in the box, she doesn't even glance at the goal but feeds it to a teammate who loses it. In the 80th, she gets a gift when a rebound falls in her path behind the back line, and it's a race between her and the goalkeeper. The keeper gets there uh but her clear comes off Abby heads towards the goal it looks like it has to be going in only it hits the base of the post and rebounds that would have been a great way for her to score just to get the monkey off her back columbia gets a late chance while lloyd was down injured and in the play uh the player for a moment was 1v1 but it took too long and the us defenders got back um when the shot was uh finally came it was pretty tame but it kind of made me wonder with 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 Columbia getting some chances, you know, what happens with a better team that's able to finish those chances. USA, you know, this game could have been 3 2 instead of 3 0. So USA 3 Columbia nil. No. Australia, equilateral Guinea. I wasn't too interested in this one, but it turned out to be fascinating. Australia took the lead in a game you'd think they'd dominate, but then a bizarre controversy after an Australian shot comes back off the post, a Guinea player catches the ball. It's like she thought she heard the whistle and thought the play was dead. Australians scream for the penalty, but the ref won't call it. No idea why. Really bizarre. If that wasn't bad enough, just a moment later, Guinea are pressing, and Australian defender is too casual in the ball, coughs it up, and, uh, quite a of Guinea go 1v1, round the keeper, and score. Suddenly we're level. Australia still dominate, but, uh, Guinea keep the ball, and in the end of the half, we end the half tie, but it only took minutes for Australia to regain the lead after the break. A simple cross from the end line knocked into to the back of the net. A m- moment later, just on sub, Lisa Davana receives a long ball over the back, controls it well, beautifully touches it under the keeper for a simple goal. Guinea used their speed to sneak behind and force a save from the Australian keeper while Australia nearly score off a free kick. But more careless defending at the back hurts Australia when Anum, Anum, uh, Noman steals the ball right off of the defender's foot and runs to goal 1v1, finishes it to bring Equatorial uh, Guinea back to within 1. Love the bright red uh, braids in her black hair. It was pretty cool looking. Um anyway, Australia, three, Equilateral Guinea, two. So pretty impressive by Equilateral Guinea, you know, a little tiny country, but, uh, you know, two goals, that's pretty good. Uh, let's see. Brazil, Norway. Brazil struggle out of the gate, but counter in a deadly way when Marta pushes down a defender on the right wing, makes her way into the box, where she deftly wheels her way through and slots it home. She should have uh, been a foul, uh, had a foul on the push, but nothing was called, so a bit harsh there. Norway don't do much at the other end. And before the half, a rocket of a long shot that the Norwegian keeper tips over. To start the second half, though, Brazil show who they are within the first minute. Marta drives into the box, draws four defenders, then she slots it across the top. To Rosanna, who's wide open, and she finishes, and Norway are in a huge hole. Yikes, that's the halftime talk out the window. Just a moment later, though, Norway try to clear the ball, and it rebounds into the box, and the defender touches it too softly back to her keeper, and Christiana presses. Pressures. She tries to get it uh, get it um, by the keeper, but the, her shot's uh, cleared off the line by a defender, only for the rebound to fall to Marta, who dribbles into space and finishes. Just scary. Brazil sit back after that and rely on dangerous counters while Norway pressure but fail to score late on they get a couple corner kicks but uh, one shot goes over and the others blocked. Norway are shut out. Brazil 3, Norway 0. And we had England-Japan. All Japan needed was a draw to win the group but England who hadn't played at all wet, uh, played well at all yet came out gunning and won by 2 and I forgot to record much, much more notes on this one so I don't even remember what happened but basically. England 1-2-0. Mexico, New Zealand. Mexico had a huge uh, goal difference to make up and needed uh, help from Japan and uh, things started off well when they nutmegged the keeper just uh, minutes in for the lead. They then added another on the half hour and seemed to be cruising. But perhaps the news of England's lead which would eliminate them took away their hope for they collapsed late as New Zealand pressed. New Zealand scored in the 85th and a dramatic equalizer deep in stoppage time 4 uh, minutes in of the 2 minutes added on i don't know how that works there was 2 minutes added on and they scored in the 4th minute so whatever that means uh literally the last kick of the game and New Zealand players were celebrating their first ever point as though they'd won the whole thing they're already eliminated going home but you know this was just huge to get one point and uh, they probably go home heroes pretty funny so Mexico 2 uh New Zealand 2 uh Germany France the French casual approach to the game her, approach to this game hurts them as Germany score twice off of headers in the first half. But France come out in the second determined and within ten minutes score a header of their own off of a corner kick that enraged the Germans who respond with vigor, nearly scoring off a direct free kick that the French keeper had to save. A moment later though, the same keeper takes out an attacking player in a point blank chance and it's a straight red for her, a penalty kick for the German team. Ouch. So we get our first red and PK of the tournament. Uh, Grings takes it, puts it past the substitute keeper, but hold your horses. France come right back with another header off her corner kick. Just smashed in, unmarked. A moment later, Deli nearly scores when she gets behind, but her shot to the far post is just wide. Germany survive. The goal offends Germany, who start to attack again, first with a free kick that's inches wide. Then the French substitute keeper doesn't uh, completely get across. Um... And it goes to a German player who rifles one low and into the corner. Surely a goal, but somehow one of the French defenders slides in and clears it off the line. Then Germany hit the top of the crossbar on a long shot. Ten women France can't quite hold on, giving up one in the 88th when the ball comes to an open player at the far side of the box. She just slices it in. Uh, France have just uh, put one over the bar in stoppage time from long range. The keeper touches it as it goes over, but... France can't score in the corner kick, and time runs out. Germany wins the group. Uh, Germany 4, France 2. So much improved by uh, Germany, and France doesn't quite look so good. Uh Australia, Norway. After almost an hour of battling, underdogs Norway get the lead via a long ball from the back that bounces between two defenders who leave it for the keeper, not noticing a Norwegian girl who slips in and snags the ball and scores into the empty net. Yeah, great goal. But Norway, foolishly, are still in celebration mode when they give up an equalizer less than a minute later. Ah, crushing. Allowing Australia to get to the side of, into the side of the box. Find an open teammate for the simple redirect. It looks like a draw is going to be the result as Australia keep missing their chances and Norway don't look like scoring. But within minutes to, with minutes to go, Norway don't clear. Australia put the ball in, back into the center and a girl, uh, leaps to head it home. Norway could have equalized in the 90 with a huge chance, uh, off a six-yard line, but her chip goes wide, and uh Australia 2, Norway 1, so Norway's going home. USA, Sweden, the USA only needed a draw to win the group, which was probably deceptive as it made the results seem likely and easy, but though on paper they've done well, they haven't actually played that well, I don't think, especially considering their weak opposition, they should have been winning these games, you know, 10 to 1 kind of thing. 10-0. Uh, uh, but right off the get-go in this one, Sweden showed they were a different class, nearly scoring when a U.S. Uh, backwards header is turned into the perfect through ball for a speedy Swedish forward. But Hope Solo was huge, stopping the 1v1 breakaway. The warning was not heeded as Sweden continued to press and in the 14th, disaster as... Uh, uh, LaPelvet, uh, clumsily knocks into Swedish forward into the box. The ref awards the penalty. She was lucky she was clumsy because, uh, that saved her from getting a red card. It was only yellow since it wasn't, you know, too deliberate, at least how my feeling was. Uh, Sweden convert the penalty, but only because it was so well struck. Solo Guest Wright nearly stopped it. She got her fingertips to it, but it was just hit too hard for her to, her to stop. So, uh, you know, pretty impressive, uh, you know. I thought the USA would be okay though because uh, you know, immediately after that, they had like three chances on goal. Shaney should have had two shots. She had two. She had one that she blasted. She got free on the right side. The ball came to her and she put it wide. And then their second one was right up the middle and she put it high. And, uh, keeper made a couple good saves. Uh, you know, stopping some crosses and stuff. Rodriguez had a breakaway, beat the keeper with her chip, chip, but it was just high, bounced off the top of the crossbar. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, this is they're, they're creating a lot of chances, but you know, they they didn't do it. So anyway, in the second half, uh USA um give up a silly free kick above the D. Sweden makes them pay with a shot that deflects horribly off of um or sorry, this is still in the first half I guess, the um but anyway, yeah, they had a free kick. They just deflected horribly off a of lapel bet, who just did not have a good game. Uh, with Hope Solo diving the wrong way the ball changed direction and went to the empty side of the goal. Just, you know, ouch. <laughs> USA uh, should have gotten one back uh, before the half by, off of a long free kick, played in the empty into the box, but both uh, both of the chances in that sequence were blocked and Sweden cleared. And I thought Sweden looked really calm on these clearances. They should have been panicking, and they just seemed to leave. Really, you know, oh, yeah, they almost scored. It's okay. We just cleared off the line. No big deal. You know, <laughs> In uh, the second half, USA came out uh, uh, trying hard with some lineup changes, but actually got fewer real opportunities. So I don't think that lineup changes really worked too well. Uh, Box had a long blast, easily stopped by the keeper, similar to a free kick by Lloyd. They finally got on the board in the 66 off a corner kick that uh, jinxed Abby Wambach, shouldered into the goal. She, you know, leaped up like to head it, but didn't actually miss her head and actually hit, came off her shoulder. But it still went in and counted, and she'll take it. You know, she's off the at least she's off the snide. But after that goal, which I expected would really energize the U.S. team, there was really very little until like just the last few minutes. Uh, substitute Kelly O'Hara received the ball, wide open the box, was unmarked. She should have done a lot better, but she put it wide. Uh, she took it first time, which she probably had a lot more time and didn't need to take it first time like that. But I thought the three minutes of stoppage time in this one were indicative of the match because the U.S. was desperately needing a goal. Literally couldn't get the ball out of their own box. They gave up for corner kicks and and just you know and such to Queen, Sweden. They just kept the U.S. defending. So that was just kind of the way this game was. You know, we just couldn't get anything going. Uh, the result is USA's uh, first ever group loss in the World Cup, and it means we'll face group winners Brazil on Sunday. That's not what we wanted, but uh, you know they have to play them eventually. So uh, I'm not very confident though. It's going to take a really good match, uh, better than they played. From the U.S. so far, certainly more consistent. Um, and of course, uh, the one, uh, you know, the one wild card factor I think is, you know, Brazil could be a little overconfident because they really haven't faced quality opposition yet, and that could actually be a huge factor because the U.S. you know they've had some adversity, they've had this, you know, so this is kind of a shock to the system, and it kind of is a good thing in some ways, and I could see the U.S. coming, you know. Learning from this and be like, okay, guys, you know, we could be going home on Sunday. You know, this could all be over. And they don't want it to be over. They want it to last another week and be in the finals. So, you know, basically they go into that game against Brazil, um, you know, ready to put it all on the line because that's what it's going to take. And Brazil could be sort of like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, and, and USA isn't playing very good and, you know, be, it'll be a piece of cake and cakewalk and then the – Turns out it's not, you know. So, I, I don't know. We'll see, you know. We don't really know what Brazil... Uh, Brazil's been playing really good, but their opposition hasn't been very strong. So, you know, you can't really say that they're... I mean, it's hard to say how good they really are. You know, can they play that good against the United States? Uh, you know, I I wouldn't expect them, you know, to be a really high-scoring game, but but who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. So, uh, the U.S., You know, they've had their inconsistencies. I think they've got some good, good talent. The question is just, can they use it all and what happens when they try it? So anyway, we shall see what happens on uh, Sunday. So that's the second game uh, on Sunday is the USA-Brazil game, so kind of looking forward to that so I've actually kind of gotten into this women's world Cup I you know first I talked about it last week I wasn't that into it and but once you start you know and there's still some of these earlier teams I'm not that into uh I didn't pay attention to some of these games I didn't even watch some of the some of the games but um but there's you know some of these are pretty good games i've been I've started getting into it and, and it's kind of nice because I can watch it while I'm doing other things I don't have to like super focus on it because it's not like that important to me, so it's kind of relaxing. It's been kind of nice to have some talker, and I just have it on and I'm doing other things. And then it's, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, gold, It's like, what happened? and I Check it out, and and uh, and I've uh, been kind of enjoying it. So it, it's kind of neat. I'm starting to get into it now. Now as we're narrowing it down to the quarterfinals and uh, only a few teams left, and and you know, it's starting to get pretty interesting. So, and of course with the USA you know, their adventures and what's happening in this, it'd be uh, a real disaster, I think, for them to, to get knocked out at the quarterfinal stage, but, uh you know, maybe as a, as a, uh, not as a team necessarily, but as a sport, you know, they almost need that kick in the pants, you know, they they need to take this seriously, as I think they, they take some of this for granted, the U.S. team, and, uh you know, this could be this sort of a setback, and, and. You know, I I don't know. it's the type of thing where they could lose on Sunday and this is all over and this is just a disaster of a World Cup and then it just causes them to really look at their at their program and and, and you know, really do some, some work at it. Uh, on the other hand It could be a huge victory over Brazil, and that could lead them all the way to the final and and, and winning the whole thing. You know, that kind of of confidence could really do it. So we'll just have to see what the game, you know, what happens at the game and, and how it goes. I can see it going either direction, you know. So we'll see what happens. That's why we play the games, right? All right, let's talk Major League Soccer. Got a lot of stuff there to talk about. So uh, we'll begin with uh, Toronto-Vancouver. Not many chances in the first half, but early in the second, uh sloppily tripped in the box by Whitecaps' uh, Janiki. The ref awards a penalty. Sulzman takes it and makes it, but Plata encroached, so it had to be retaken, and Sulzman goes to the left on the second try and still beats Nolly for the lead. Uh, Vancouver counter with a chance, uh, but it's wide, and then with 20 to go, Toronto were really dangerous up the middle, forced a diving save out of Nolly. Neither team looks too threatening after that uh, on their chances though the home teams are stronger. In the end, it's a big win for Toronto FC. Toronto 1, Vancouver 0. And uh, D.C. Uh, Philly, uh, De Rosario uh, is in play for D.C., and he looks eager. Uh, but both sides have chance in the first half, with each keeper making a terrific save. Latou has a great breakaway Uh, but the angle's tight and his shot is just wide of the far post. Uh, then before the break, uh, starts the play getting to the end line on the left side. He puts it right between two fenders to an open Josh Wolf for the goal, on the goal line for the tap in. And DC lead. But minutes into the second half, Philly has allowed time to put a dangerous ball in the box and Kitchen accidentally sticks it into his own net trying to clear it. D.C. try to come back by swarming the Philly box, but uh, Pontius' shot is saved by Mondragon, and the rebound comes off the post and is somehow cleared. Then just before the hour, and Nahar is left in tons of space in the midfield. He decides to have a go from 25 yards out, and bam, it's in the back of the net. Mondragon uh, gets his hands to it, but there's just so much power, it just goes right past him, and D.C. regain their lead. A moment later, Ruiz, Carlos Ruiz, slips behind the D.C. backs uh, right as Latou's ball arrives for a point-blank header, but Bill Hamid stones him. Terrific play by both teams. In the 78th, Philly fouled two players hard during the same play. The ref, uh, plays advantage on the, after the first, but, uh, the second is right on the line above the edge of the box. Should have probably been a BK, but the ref, chicken, chicken ref calls it, uh, right at the edge. Incredibly tight, and the advantage should have gone to the attacker. It's actually too close for a free kick, and DeRoe hits the wall, but Philly, uh, don't lose heart. Keep pressing. And get through on the right side uh, with a beautiful triangle play that beats the back line uh, to the uh, right side of the box, and the square ball is perfect for Ruiz to direct home, and it's 2-2. So, um, let's see. Uh, okay, so DC 2, Philly 2. So... Um, San Jose, New York. Uh, this game is at Stanford instead of at Buckshaw, I guess because the crowd size of the crowd that New York attracts. Uh, I think it's 40,000, I think they said. Uh, no Terry Henry, who had the flu, but Lynn Parris scores the goal just seven minutes in, receiving a nice cross in the box and controlling it, just past his defender, slotting it to the far corner around Bush. Uh, but ten minutes before the half, San Jose put in a simple ball. Booner tries to catch it, drops it right into the path of Stevenson, who accepts the gift with a blast into the open goal. Double ouch. In the second half, uh, Wandolowski nearly scores on a breakaway, but his shot comes off the post. Uh, San Jose or Jazz press again with a beautiful cross in the box, perfectly placed between two defenders. Lenhart is there to smash home the header. But in the 84th, New York attack with a Pair through ball for Dane Richards. He's stoned by Bush, who makes a fantastic block. The loose ball is controlled by Bellucci, though, and he finds Lindpere for the shot that Bush, back on his goal line, saves. The rebound seemed like it was going out for a corner, but it stays in play, and I think San Jose relaxed a little bit as New York retrieved the ball, and then attacked again. This is all in the same play. Lin Parr received the pass, took his shot uh, where it deflected off of a defender, and in for the heartbreaking equalizer, if you're a San Jose fan, and terrific comeback if you're a New York fan. In stoppage time, Bobby Berling goes in hard for a tackle, gets his second yellow, so San Jose uh, play out the time, a down a man. They hold on, get the point, but probably aren't too happy about it, and yet another draw for New York, uh, San Jose 2, New York 2. Portland, Kansas City, I missed the first 30 minutes of this one. Apparently, uh, my DVR had the wrong start time because when I started watching it, it was already at the 30th minute. And we were down two goals. So I turned on the TV, and it's, you know, Kansas City 2, Portland 1, and 30 minutes in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, but actually I'm not that bummed because, uh, you know, Portland again came out flat, struggled, you know, can't see, scored twice within just a few minutes apparently, I saw the replays, and just, you know, uh, horrible defending again by, uh, by, uh, Portland. Allowing CJ Sapong to cut through them like butter, uh, slide one, slide one through, uh, um, low and through the crowd, and then they gave up a headed goal off of a throw-in a moment later. But the defining moment of the match was in the 45th, just seconds before the halftime whistle. Portland's free kick was played in the box. Nielsen punches it clear. It came down right at the edge of the box where Darlington Nagby was waiting. He caught it out of the air with his foot, juggled it twice, and then ripped a dipping volley over the keeper and under the bar. Wow, what a goal. That is world-class, man. Just fantastic. His first pro goal, highlight reel for decades to come. Goal of the week for sure. Incredible. I hope such a shot would inspire the team, and they seem driven for the second half uh, in the second half of play a lot better. By the way, that uh, shot, I, I haven't checked it recently. What I saw, saw earlier was at half a million views on YouTube already, and it was climbing. I saw it on, they even referred to it on Huffington Post, and a bunch of websites were pointing people to it, and uh, it's, it's just, you know, all around the world, people are talking about this goal that Nagby scored. So, uh, I hope such an incredible shot would inspire the team, and they seemed driven in the second half to playing a lot better, but unfortunately, they just could not get the equalizer. Uh, Perkins was called into the action early on with an amazing save, and Perlaza forced one from Nielsen at the other end. And Cooper came on, immediately had a header, but he didn't get any power on the shot. It was easy for Nielsen. he had another shot that he ripped through the box, but it was blocked and cleared. Uh, Zuzi got in the box on the left side for Ken City, and Perkins saved his shot. Ken City nearly scored on a half volley off a corner kick, but it was wide. And on another play, there were serious calls for a handball on footy in the box. It looked inadvertent, though, and the ref waved it off. Portland were on the back foot as Caden City dominated. Wouldn't let the Timbers have the ball. Portland gave it away a lot, too. But in the final minutes, they did create chances, the best being a nice blast by Jewsbury that he thought was in, but it curled just wide of the post at the last second. So, uh, sadly, time ran out for Portland. They drop another one at home, but at least they scored a one-class goal, and that should inspire the team for the future. So, uh, uh, Portland 1, Kansas City 2. Colorado, Houston. Terrific game, though there were no goals. Callie Hall was man of the match, as he made tons of saves on this one. Uh, Jamie Smith hit the post early on for the Rapids. That should have been a goal. He was wide open, all alone in front of the goal, but he hit the post. Late in the half, we had a flurry of chances for Colorado. Houston had a good chance early in the second half, hitting the crossbar, but it was, turned out to be offside. Then Brad Davis put in a beautiful through ball that Ching uh, almost reached. After that, though, it was uh, all Rapids. Tally Hall made some spectacular saves, including a tip over on a header and a nice block on an Americo breakaway one v one. Then the Rapids outshot the Rapids actually outshot Dynamo 14 to three in this one. They had the edge on shots on goal, like seven to nil. So Houston didn't even get one on goal. Uh, AmeriCorps was kind of an idiot, though. Uh, he argued his way into a yellow in the last. In stoppage time, I think it was, last few minutes of the game. And then, after the final whistle, he continued to argue, got himself a red card. Yeah, what an idiot. Didn't affect this match, but he'll have to sit out the next one. That's just stupid. So, Colorado nil, uh, Houston nil. Then we had uh, RSL, New England. This is definitely Game of the Week. Uh, wow, I wrote down, when, wow, when ESPN says Game of the Week, they really mean Game of the Week. I mean, this was Game of the Week. Wow, this one had everything. Just two minutes in, Matt Reese's long goal kick bounced over the back line. Foul hyper wasn't offside because it was a goal kick. He got the ball, got into the box. When Nate Borchers appeared to foul him. At least that's how it looked to me. I thought it was a foul. I thought it was a clear penalty. On close-up and replay, it did look like there actually wasn't much contact. Borchers got the ball in front of Benny basically kicked it onto Benny, so it hit Benny and then rolled out for a goal kick. But Benny, he actually did fall sort of strangely, as though he had some help. I don't know if he was just unbalanced because the ball hitting him, and it just kind of threw him off his stride, or maybe there was a little bit of contact from Borchers. You know, it just looked a little weird. So to me... I'm not as convinced by as the ESPN commentators that this wasn't a foul at all. I think there might have been something to it, uh, you know. But to award both a penalty and a red card to Borchers in the third minute, I think is very, very harsh. Uh, it was justified if it was a blatant foul. And considering the ref was half a field away, seeing it from behind the play about the worst angle you could get, you know, I'm not really surprised he saw it that way. It's just it's it's not that outrageous a call. Uh, you know, they're they're really calling you know making this sound like this is criminal or something. And I'm going, I don't know. I actually have more criticism for the assistant ref, who should have been in a better line to tell if it was a foul or not. You know, it's possible that Borchers' body was blocking his view too, but you know, he shouldn't have a better better view than the the main ref. The main ref was up. On the other side, he was on the other half of the field, I think. You know, a good fifty fifty yards away, and he was, you know, basically looking at it from from uh, behind um, behind Benny Fellhiver. And so Benny Benny's body is basically blocking, you know, what Borchers is doing. And from that view, Borchers' leg comes in front, gets all ball. But it looks like he's just taking out Benny, and when Benny falls, strange, you know, he's in midair and he's like, you know, he just looks strange. It doesn't surprise me at all that the keeper would, uh, I mean, the keeper that the ref would see that and go, that was a foul, and it just looked like a blatant foul, you know. So he calls it and says red card, Uh, you know. And uh, I think, you know, it was early in the game, first, you know, first attack kind of a thing, but to me that meant that the ref was really, really, you know. Uh, we we get we get we can be real critical. We get to see all these replays and different angles. The ref only can see this once at full speed. I can totally see how he made this call. It was gutsy, actually. I think you know to award a penalty and a red card so early. He must have been really convinced that Borchers just took out Benny. And if so, he made the call that he felt was fair. You know, so more power to him. Um, you know, I'm not that upset about this. I you know it's 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 a bummer. It'd be nice to not have you know a, a call like this affect a game, but at the same time. You know, you got to put yourself in the referee's position and where he was. And the real fault, I think, was the assistant ref that didn't really help him on this, you know. But New England took advantage of the call. They converted the penalty. Luckish did it. And then, uh, shockingly, went two up in the 15th when Chris Tierney uh, sticks in a long free kick directly into the goal. Just a horrible wall by RSL that did nothing to protect a shot. He put it low into the corner, and Ramondo was protecting the other end of the goal. Just couldn't get there. Almost got there, but couldn't quite get it. Uh, Almost immediately, RSL forces a save from Reese at the other end. You kind of knew this one wasn't over, and sure enough, in the 24th, Andy Williams takes a free kick from just above the D, rockets it off the post. Will Johnson is there to put in the rebound, and the deficit is down to just one. Early in the second half, a seemingly innocuous cross into the box by RSL is judged by the ref to hit the arm of a New England player. Kind of harsh. It might have nicked his elbow, but it didn't really change the flight of the ball. Uh, I think the ref just wanted to make up for the original penalty kick. Points to the spot. Saborio equalizes for RSL. You think they kind of have the momentum and would go on to win against a New England side that had shown very little outside of their two goals. But just past the hour on a free kick played in the box, Shelby Joseph isn't marked well. He heads it off the post and in a New England lead again. Uh, but minutes later, Ryan Cochran brings down a player. The ref says that's a yellow, and he'd already been booked, so it's a red. And now the two teams are even at 10 men each. Off of that free kick, Johnson blasts one long range on, at goal that Reese saves, but RSL uh, is there to head in the rebound. Um, but that header comes back off the crossbar. Uh, can New England hang on? It's a leading 3-2, to two, but of course not in the 83rd. A neat flicked on ball. Uh, puts Espindola behind. He's 1v1. May, puts it past Reese for the equalizer. Wow. And RSL, uh, nearly get the winner too in stoppage time, but Reese makes a huge save, and New England managed to get the draw on the road, decent, but they'll look at this as blowing a two goal lead with a, with a man advantage, but still. RSL three, New England three. LA, Seattle. Unfortunately, this one had no 4th of July fireworks. The only exciting thing was, uh, when Seattle were awarded a penalty off of a handball block in the box, their backup, backup keeper. Uh, kid named Perk in his first ever MLS match makes the save on Freddie Montero's feeble effort. Uh, LA had the better chances with Perk not having to do anything, um, that challenging the whole night and LA should have scored several with Ong Helmis and several good chances. Uh, I think his finishing is just a little off. In the end, it's a point apiece and that's not a bad result for Seattle and LA will probably take it considering everything. So at least it's, it's, it's points, you know. But, uh, I, I thought the worst mistake in this one was you know, Seattle coming into this knowing that LA has a raw keeper in there and not really testing him. I don't think they really did, you know, other than the penalty kick, really. It was the only real tester of the game and that wasn't a very good penalty kick, so. LA nil, Seattle nil. Then we had New York, uh, this was Wednesday's games, yesterday's uh, New York-Toronto. The scoreline is slightly deceiving as Toronto could have had two or three goals if not for the woodwork and some great saves by Sutton. But then, you know, New York could have had some more too, So, such as Dane Richards' uh, miss early in the game when Henri set him up and he put it wide. But the goals start to flow in the 33rd. When a ball goes through the box, reaches an open Henri, he calmly finishes. Uh, a moment later, the ball is played to Luke Rogers at the edge of the box. He pops it up in the air with his left foot and then volleys his own pop-up into the corner, wow, with his right foot. Uh Then in first half stoppage time, Lynn Pear blasts a terrific free kick uh, from way over on the right side directly into the goal. It looks amazing, but the ref waves it off saying the goalkeeper was interfered with. Eh, a little questionable. Minutes after the break, I don't think the keeper would get there anyway. Um, minutes after the break, though, Toronto uh, nearly got on board with a Martina shot, but Sutton's fingertips pushed the ball just onto the post, and he retrieved it safely for no goal. He immediately put the ball upfield as New York attacked. Lin-Pair went right up the middle, received the ball from Richards, and finished it beautifully. If the 3-0 wasn't enough, New England New York then puts Agadello on. He quickly has a nice flick at near the near post that Fry saves, but off of that resulting corner kick... Agadello heads it in. Gorgeous. He was floating in the air, moving away from the goal, and somehow he blasted in. He really got a ton of power this head flick. Uh, very, very impressive. Top corner, no chance for Fry, who did not have a bad game at all in this one. Keep that in mind. Before the end of the match, uh, Lin pair feeds it to Agadello in the box. It's a tap-in for him, his first two-goal match. In stoppage, uh, Toronto have a nice header on goal that comes back off the post. Uh, but New York hold on for the shutout for a perfect game. New York 5, Toronto nil. Wow. Chivas, San Jose. I think New York's really glad to be home. <laughs> uh, not much from San Jose in this one, as Chivas were clearly the better on the day. The goals didn't come into the, uh, after the arrow, and Ben Zamansky puts in a blast from 30 yards out that is absolutely top shelf, a swirling knuckler that left Bush astonished. They got another before the end when the broker received the ball up the middle. He was all alone and unmarked, and it was a simple matter to put it to one side of Bush, and uh, Chivas get the three points. Uh, Chivas 2, San Jose nil. Kansas City, uh, Colorado. Kansas City's Bunbury did a gorgeous split of two defenders to get himself open on the left side. He left-footed a rocket that should have been a fabulous goal, but the beating the keeper, but not the post as it came back out. Then across nearly found two Kansas City players in the box. At the other end, Cummings had a shot that Nielsen saved. Then Connor Casey received a long free kick from above the box, chested it down, turned and shot, dropping the ball, uh, the dropping ball, shot the dropping ball. Low and into the corner for the road time road team lead. Terrific goal uh, by Connor Casey. Uh, on the hour, Kansas City uh, breaking of the Rapper's box uh, with Pickens making the save on the first shot, but Graham Susie was there to put in the rebound for an easy equalizer. Uh, Colorado nearly scored off a free kick with 15 minutes to go, but it hit the side netting. In stoppage time was all Kansas City, but Pickens was huge, making an astonishing save when a shot was actually deflected. He was going the wrong way, but somehow reversed himself, stuck out on a really long arm, just tipped the ball off the woodwork and they split the points. So. Kansas City 1, Colorado 2. Sure. Well, that's it for this week's uh, long podcast. So I hope you enjoyed everything. Uh, that's it. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday the uh, 11th. Uh, if everything goes as planned, should should work. I don't have any work stuff so should work. Uh, as always, mark at SoccerTalkUSA.com is the, voicemail, is the uh, email and the voicemail is 206-339-8359 if you want to drop me a line. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye bye.